This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome into Batter Up on this Monday, April 4th. Caleb Johnson and with my co-host Joe Patrick on opening week. week like we are just yeah we are just a couple of days away from opening day when the Braves will take on the Cincinnati Reds get to have all of the excitement of being world champions I've already seen Joe pictures of the stadium as they're slowly getting some world series paraphernalia things like uh put around the stadium whether it's signs posters it's just it's it's all here and it's a fun time of celebration. Um, just I, I guess like how, it's, how it's are the, you feeling about it's everything? It's the time in the movie montage where you get the like the the, yeah. the optimistic music playing and the guys like drawing the chalk lines down the field and the sprinklers going. You know that's it's it's that part of the it's that time of year. It's always exciting, you know, and especially with the sun coming out, it's getting a little bit warmer here in Atlanta. Just all feels right in the world with baseball back in our lives. So I can't wait for it. It's funny that you say that, and I'm actually, I, I know this is not necessary at all, but I'm going to look up the weather. I'm very curious. What What is the weather supposed to be for Thursday? Okay. High of 68, low of 48. Um, so about typical for for kind of that opening day time of year. I was trying to think, um, was it last year's opening day that it was cold or maybe two years ago? I can't remember. Well, they've been playing uh, on the I'm, road I'm, for a couple of years where it always seems like they run into cold weather in Philadelphia specifically. Yeah. <laughs> they've been in like these really blustery conditions. I was just listening. I was listening to um, another podcast and they were talking about how you know the Braves are actually getting kind of lucky with uh, they won't have many cold weather trips. Like I think they'll go to New York in the early May where it might be chilly. Other than that, they really won't have any of those early season games against like 
the the Cubs or the Rockies that can get you know the, where we even see snow oftentimes. So uh, <laughs> it will be um, you know I, probably a benefit to the Braves. I was just about to say, well, it's not only it would not only be the benefit for the fact of not having to play those cold weather games, but as you know, what comes with those cold weather games is often rainouts, snowouts, yeah. uh, you know, all all of the like of games getting canceled and having to be made up later in the season. And that can often be so frustrating, uh, especially um, when the Braves are already, because they missed those first two series against the Mets and the Marlins, mm-hmm. are going to have to make those up throughout the season. I think they've already put that schedule out. A couple of de- double headers here or there uh, for the Braves to have against, yeah, I think it's the Mets and the Marlins. Yeah, there, there was uh, one, to, I think, a couple years ago or maybe last year where they had to travel to Colorado back for a game yeah. in between two games on the East Coast, like on like what was supposed to be an off day. So, yeah, thankfully that we shouldn't get anything quite like that happening, though, you know, obviously some of these games that we missed early in the season will need to be made up. At least it's all on the yeah. East Coast, though. Absolutely. Well, and the idea is... Uh, Nice weather, you know, <laughs> the Braves <laughs> yeah, won't yeah. have to deal with any of that stuff this year. So, you know, so the, the excuses won't necessarily be there, Joe. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, there are typically a little of those, uh, you know, the slow starts or whatever may happen early on in the year that could be placed on, uh, you know, blame could be placed certain certain areas. It's not going to be on weather this year, um, but we well, are at a I was going to Go joke, ahead. you know, it's funny because I, I feel like it's almost like a Braves tradition to get swept in the opening series of of the yeah. season. And then it's always like Freddie Freeman's responsibility to to calm the media down and be like, don't panic. It's three games, whatever. It's speaking for the team. So they'll have to find somebody new if uh, if that happens again this year. But, um, well, we should just run through who it might be because we have <laughs> what we think is going to be the list of the players who are going to be in that clubhouse to start the year. Um, this was put out by both Dave O'Brien and Mark Bowman, who uh, got got the info from snit yesterday um basically with the roster barring any trades or signings that might happen in these next couple days but i tend to think that if they're being so open about the roster at this point that they may not really expect many changes so let's just go through it um the rotation the starting rotation of course you've got six starters max freed charlie morton ian anderson kyle wright waskar you and tucker davidson um though they did not mention as a starter or a rotation piece uh, Spencer Strider, who did also make this team, and he is expected yep. to start games if the Braves like that matchup between him and Tucker Davidson. And I imagine that they'll probably just piggyback um, regardless in that sixth start, unless Tucker or Spencer is just lights out and can happen to go five or six innings. Uh, but I would imagine to see you know a good amount of both of those guys early in the season. Let's get into the bullpen. Of course, you've got Kenley Jansen, Colin McHugh, who we've talked about as these big new additions. Also, Tyler Thornburg, a new addition to this team, uh, makes the team out of camp, as does Darren O'Day, who was on a minor league deal, although, of course, he's a, obviously a grizzled veteran. Um, Spencer Strider, who we just talked about. Tyler Matzik, of course. Will Minter, uh, AJ Minter, Will Smith also make it. And the one I was surprised by, maybe maybe not totally surprising, but Sean Newcomb makes this bullpen coming, yeah. out, of, coming out of spring training. Um, I'm not sure how long this will last, but um, <laughs> he will at least get a shot to try to pitch well in the majors to start the year with the Braves. I'm just going to finish out the rest of this uh, roster, Kayla, before we start digging into it. 
catchers. Another interesting one. L- labeled as three, Travis Darno, Manny Pena, and William Contreras. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, infielders, only five, which is interesting. Um, now that you have the DH, maybe the backup infielders is not as much of a priority. Uh, Matt Olson, Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, who we know, and then Ar- Orlando Arcia. And in the outfield, five outfielders, Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, Marcelo Zuna, Alex Dickerson, and Guillermo Heredia. So uh, I think we actually did pretty well, Caleb, in terms of like our predictions and who we were talking about in the last couple pods to start the year. I think that this is kind of the core group we were focusing in on. Yeah, I think the only thing I'm frustrated with is if you make a prediction, hold to like hold to it. I I was gungs ho all in on Spencer Strider two weeks ago. And then after all of the chatter last week, I got on here and I was like, all right, well, I understand it's probably not going to happen. And yeah, I started trying talking to be responsible. Into, I was and like, forget that. No, I, I knew what I was seeing. And, and, and here's the wild thing, Joe Spencer Strider being added to this team comes after him having a very shaky start. Uh, against the Yankees when he got rocked pretty good. I don't even think the Braves scored in that game. Like, I get a spring or whatever, but just you never want to see a, what was I think, 10 nothing score line at yeah. the end. Uh, uh, and, and also, too, I mean, hey, maybe uh, seeing that level of competition with whatever you think about the Yankees, but there is just something about that. Strider had pitched two and a thirds inning in that game, gave up four earned runs, five total, seven hits, two walks, five strike. Yeah, at least he had five strikeouts and two and a thirds innings. Yeah. I guess that's a good sign that the stuff was there. But uh, yeah, obviously, obviously, leaving stuff out over the plate. And, uh, you know, we talked about it. He said after afterwards that, you know, it's just that's the difference between pitching in the minors and pitching in the majors is that you can throw a hundred in the majors. Uh, but if you leave it out over the plate, guys are still going to hit it. So you still got to locate yeah. and do all that. But um. I think there there's some good and bad signs, obviously, but uh, good to see him make the team. I think that it just shows how much confidence that they have in him, especially a guy like Snit, who, um, yeah, with a young player, a young pitcher, I think it's a very optimistic sign, obviously, for Strider. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, it goes without saying, like, this is a guy who was drafted in 2020. Yeah. He was brought into this team, and that's how quickly he's gone uh, to reach this level. He beats out Kyle Muller and Dylan Lee of making this team which also says something. I don't know if that's his, you know, the fact that he has that Waskari Noah ability to, I can get a start or I can come out of the pen and they really only specifically see, you know, may, maybe just starts out of, out of Muller and Lee, uh, or it's just more of the, like, <laughs> we think this is a guy's a better player. Uh, and we're, you know, and, and we're going that direction with him. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just I'm very curious as to those types of decisions. Also, Joe, going into the decisions of who make the roster, there is a name you did not mention because he's a guy we're not going to see this season. Uh, Luke Jackson is unfortunately is has dealt with some form of injury. They think he's I, I the reports I heard they think he's torn his UCL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know how to say the what is it? Ulcer, the ulnar collateral collateral ligament. Collateral. The <laughs> that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. The UCL. That's what you know. You got UCL. your ACL, your UCL. I, I, I know those things. Um, unfortunately, it's the ACL of the uh, elbow. Yeah, you can think about it like essentially. That. Yeah, uh, it's going to require Tommy John surgery. They just haven't made the announcement yet. 
Uh, it's really, really unfortunate uh, after, I don't know, you just, <laughs> you want to root for a guy like Luke Jackson, especially as you've seen him and his story go back and forth and, you know, have have good moments, bad moments, and what at least felt like a good moment. He was, he was on a World Series winning team last year, uh, yeah. but he will not be a part of that team, uh, the team this year. So I, I'm not sure whether O'Day, whether it was Thornburg, or whether it was Strider, uh, that was kind of dependent on that move being made. Uh, you, you had a bit of a, a theory. A little, little uh, exploding brain hot take. I don't know yeah. exactly what you would call it. I think the team very likely had an indication that this was going to be a possibility for Luke Jackson this year. I don't know if they knew that it was definitely going to happen, but I do wonder if they knew he was dealing with something uh, in that elbow. Of course, he had a really bad series against the Dodgers. Pitched in the Astros series. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I have to imagine he pitched in that series, and um, I know he did better than in the Dodgers series, but um, I have to think that they, they knew, and that's why they went out and reinforced specifically with right-handed arms, where they went out and got Kenley Jansen when obviously he was not really on many people's radar because I think a lot of people were thinking Luke Jackson was going to be one of those key right-handed arms for you. Uh, and then obviously Tyler Thornburg, who ends up making this team, I think that maybe he even was uh, a little bit of um, security in case this was uh, something that had to happen for um, for Luke. So, yeah, it's tough because ev everybody likes Luke. Like, if you talk to media, he's so good with media. He's so open. A lot of these guys in the bullpen are, are just, like, really good to talk to, and he's kind of key among them. Um, just loose, you know, and, and, and really is a, a core part of that bullpen just in terms of his demeanor. Um, and yeah, like I said, just like his looseness kind of just keep keeping good vibes, uh, there in the bullpen. So, you know, even though his production won't be there, I think he'll also be a big loss, just not having his kind of presence there, um, like it normally would be. So that's going to be tough, but you know, they've got the players there to pick it up. And I still think that even without Luke Jackson, it's one of the better bullpens still, if not the best bullpen in Major League Baseball. I mean, Luke Jackson was going to be an important part of the bullpen, but he was not going to be one of the top arms, obviously, that you were going to be calling on with the guys that they signed. So you're going to see, you know, Colin McHugh is going to essentially be in a lot of the, the innings that Luke Jackson was pitching last year, and that's an upgrade. Um, so it's a tough one, but, you know, hopefully he can just, you know, get back to what he was, and it's it's a tough one for him because he's got, a, you know, free agency coming up. So um, best of luck to him in his recovery. Absolutely. There is one part of this that we did kind of just like skip over, and I'm sure for a lot of people it would be easy to just look past uh, because there's so much coming at you to start the season. When it comes to that starting pitching rotation, there are two names that you probably wouldn't expect to be in the order necessarily that they are mm -hmm. in, uh, and it has everything to do with a rainout. Uh, I think it was Mark Bowman that, that tweeted out earlier this week. Uh, Kyle Wright is technically higher in the Braves starting pitching order over Waskar Enoa. It is not because they all of a sudden see Kyle Wright uh, performing better necessarily. It was just that um, it was it was Waskar Enoa's start that was rained out, if I remember correctly. And uh, Kyle Wright was was just the next man up. And so um, or it might have been in the opposite order. Yeah, um, actually, Kyle Wright's going to start Game Three of the of the Red Series, according to uh, that's Dave, what it Dave was. O'Brien, and then they're going to give Ian Anderson an extra day pitch. Anderson in Game Four, and then Waskar Yanoa will will follow through after that, and then they'll get back on their rotation. 
Correct. Yeah, that's what. It, but it was a whole. Uh, that's what I was trying to remember. It was it was a rainout situation uh, that caused those guys to like flip flop. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you know for fans not paying too close attention or not really sure what was going on. You see that to start the year, and you're like, whoa. Um, now Ian Anderson did have a couple of bad starts this spring. Uh, he's not the only brave starting pitcher to have that. And Brian Snicker's not been concerned at all about, he, he, he even talked about in one of his, uh, post game, uh, scrums that he was worried about guys, you know, some of them having like dead arm kind of situations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he's essentially, they're evaluating spring as they always will, but taking very little as to what that might predict um for the actual season itself just based on the limited springtime mm-hmm. however that doesn't mean that other people or us can't make predictions based on what we <laughs> see out of the spring and just kind of i don't know what what we're feeling uh joe i wanted to get into a couple of of these that we had kind of discussed as, as far as bold predictions you know what do what do we see out of this team this year it's that time of year we can make all of these ridiculous bold claims and see how laughable they come uh you know when we look at like july and august at this team mine last year that i just stood i was just so absolutely sure uh was that there was going to be a brave starter that was not there in august that was to start the season i've forgotten his name again Drew Smiley. again joe Drew Smiley, we were just talking about him earlier, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that was my bold prediction, I, but that's that's how little I thought of Drew Smiley last year, I'm sorry. I know, he he came around and was a part of the team, he gets a ring too, uh, but I just, I I, I didn't like that offseason move of, <laughs> of Alex Anthopoulos paying him, was it $14 million or something like that for a one-year deal, um, but it's fun to come back with those bold predictions of, of how we think guys, um, you know, might turn out. Sure. I, I want to go to you, Joe, first with, do you have any just, just in general bold predictions that you would like to make about the Braves in 2022? Um, so I think my, well, yeah, I don't know if, how specific of a bold prediction this is. I think of this team more in terms of like, when I go through the player list, I think like, is this player going to overperform or underperform relative yeah. to expectations that is set by the media and narratives and past production, all that stuff. And I think the one player that I'm focusing in on, um, and maybe I shouldn't because he seems like a player that really could make me look really bad um, by making this prediction, but a player that I think if you look at projections and things like that is probably not projected to do much, if anything at all this year that I think is going to vastly or maybe overperform those projections more than anybody is William Contreras. You know, he so David O'Brien reported yesterday that not only are they have they been running him out there in the outfield, which of course has been news. We talked about that last week, but they're also trying him out and kind of training him at third base. And I think that he may be in for more of a permanent position change. I know the Braves are not really um referencing it in that way yet because he is still suitable, you know, at, at catcher. And um, if there's an injury or something that happens to either dart, no, which we know he's kind of susceptible to injuries, or if Manny Pena is just a total liability, then, um, then I think that we will see Contreras catch some games, but I think that the Braves are probably looking to make a more permanent move for him to another position so that they can get his bat in the lineup. And I think that, you know, again, we talked about it when we were going through the roster, but he's very likely going to hit, 
against lefties. Whenever there's a lefty starter, he's probably going to be the DH that day instead of Alex Dickerson. And, you know, I'm looking at like fan graphs. It's hard to even like judge these predictions because I don't think that <laughs> sure. they're um, or these projections. Cause I don't they're not really anticipating like this move that's happening with, with William Contreras. So they actually haven't projected for one home run this year. Obviously, he's going to hit more than that. I think William Contreras could hit as many as 15, maybe even 20 homers if he can stay in the lineup relatively cons- consistently. Um, but I'm very high on William Contreras and I just love what they're doing with him because it's not like he was some superstar catcher behind the plate. If anything, he was hurting you with his, you know, catching defense. So get him out of there and put him in a place where he can actually be productive and where he can really focus a lot of his training time on his, you know, on his, um, his appearances at the plate. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those like one touchy area of the Matt Olson trade that I'm kind of, I just, when the deal happened, Mm. There was a lot of eyes on other pieces that went in that trade. The one that I kept looking at being like, did you really have to was Shea Langelier. Yeah. When I was like, man, I thought that was like, I thought Langelier's was going to be the catcher of the future for the Braves. And it would have made me feel a lot better about this particular move right now with Contreras essentially getting out of catching uh, where you're right. Like, there, there is that risk that the Braves make this move and have to move Contreras back behind the plate, uh, and then, and then I kind of wonder, okay, what damage does that do to a guy who's already not a very good defensive catcher when mm-hmm. you move him out of position, and then, yeah, it, you know, if if you run into a situation with Darno, uh, or you know, Manny Pena, um, is a guy that. You know, the Braves faced against it with uh, when he was with the Brewers. I don't remember a whole lot about him. I don't remember too much about his impact. Yeah, he's uh, not. If, he's he's the Eddie Perez essentially of this team. Yeah. He's like he's he's there to probably catch Oscar Yanoa, honestly. Um, I was about to say you you got to be careful around Atlanta saying something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, like Eddie here, Perez was there. To, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Perez was ba- his role was to catch every fifth day, you know, um, to basically catch yeah. Greg, Greg Maddox, and so I think that we're likely to see. I, th- I think it's a language thing with, with Wascar Yanoa. I think like to bring in uh, a Manny Pena who can communicate with him really well. Um, I think that that's likely what we're going to see. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I think it just my concern going back to the you know that trade is just the fact that. Um, you know, they gave up uh, a potential future catcher and yeah. are now another catcher that they have within their organization. They're moving him out of that position, which I, I agree with you. I think it's going to work out. I think he is going to be a, you know, he, he's going to be, whether it's infielder, outfielder, utility player, whatever it might be, he's going to be uh, not behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just don't really see that move happening. And I'll be even curious if they were they're willing to turn to someone else rather than even have Contreras um have to and, do that un- unless it was like an emergency situation yeah and and, and Contreras' arm is still a weapon as a catcher you know all those catchers have super strong arms yeah. so putting him in the outfield if he can develop into that um that would be you know a very suitable position for him or third base i think that's why they're trying him out at third base is cuz he can you know he's he's used to receiving well, balls coming in hot and uh and can make that throw across if he can do it accurately consistently then it could be a fit for him as well yeah. However, I will say I think there will be less need for him. At least in my opinion, I think there's going to be less need for him uh, at third base with Riley. Then sure. it's more likely that he's needed at 
a short or a second base because we know Ozzy Alves to be a guy who's, you know, a little injury prone, who's dealt with some stuff in the past, uh, you know, might something might be needed there, especially since they didn't. Uh, um, oh, who's the guy that I assumed that the Braves were going to bring a part of this roster and, and he's down in Gwinnett. Um, uh, former Phil Goslin, Brave. Ryan yeah, Jones. Phil Goslin. Phil Goslin. Yeah, yeah. 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 Goslin, who was, who was with the Braves to start his career. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like he was just going to be that utility guy until because of, you know, the DH I, and everything else, they're, yeah. they're deciding not to go that route. I, I thought he would too. And I'm thinking that, you know, if what, you know, what, what, what they're reporting with William Contreras taking balls at third base, I'm thinking that what is going to happen is you're going to have Orlando Arcia, who's going to be essentially the backup at either shortstop or second base. And if you do, obviously, yeah. if if like if Ozzy or Dansby suffers a big injury, then you're certainly likely to see you know a middle infielder called up to then again provide depth. But I think Orlando Arcia is essentially the backup to either of those two positions. And then you've got Contreras at third base, um, and that covers both Austin Riley and Matt Olson because if Olson something happens to him, Austin Riley has played first, so Austin Riley would go over to first base, but obviously you expect a first baseman to play every day. I think they're I think they're relatively well covered. Obviously none of it's defensive like is is great defensively and if something does happen if you have some sort of major injury, I think that the team would probably go out and make some sort of move instead of just sticking with like what they have composed on the roster right now. Yeah, I forget that RC is back in the infield uh yeah. whereas, you know, he was relied on so much and left last year that uh yeah, of course that's a, another name that that, you know, could easily be forgotten. Um, I, I want to get to some some bold predictions. You, you were talking about, um, you know, guys outperforming or underperforming, that sort of thing. You you see Contreras as a guy who's going to overperform what his projections are. Do you see anybody on this team that is likely to underperform or regress from where they were last year? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I hate to say this because I think he's it's like I could also see this guy being an MVP contender, but I can't help. But if you look at Austin Riley's numbers last year, he was extremely fortunate. Like he had a super high um, BABIP, you know, just like all the underlying numbers would signal that there's going to be regression with Austin Riley. Now, I think Austin Riley's power is super real and I think my prediction for him would be that he actually that power continues to show and he actually hits more homers than he did last year but maybe he does just doesn't kind of hit for as high of an average and be the kind of all-around hitter that we saw last year I think he has that in him uh just long term but I just think if you look at the numbers he's certainly bound for uh, at least a little bit of regression which again I just hate to say because I, I think the world of Austin Riley um and then on the pitching side I'm going to say you know, Ian Anderson didn't have a great year last year either, but I'm just I'm still just a little bit concerned with a young pitcher like this, just in terms of um, settling into a full role in the majors. You know, we've yet to see him come even close to approaching like, you know, like a 200 inning mark or something as a starter. Um, and I'm just kind of cautious about him, I guess. Uh, and I know that obviously he's regarded as like this team's number three man in the rotation if not maybe like even potential to be a number two or an ace. And I think that he definitely has that potential, but I would just say if I'm, if I'm going to going to be thinking about anybody that, you know, might underperform relative to those expectations I just laid out there. I think that you might see Waskari Noah or even Kyle Wright have a better year than, than Ian Anderson this year. 
Yeah, uh, so the funny thing is, if I were to share now, my you, screen... you got to give me your negatives now, because I feel like I'm being a negative Nancy <laughs> towards all these guys. Oh, you're you're noticing that I'm sliding out of this very casually. <laughs> yeah. to just, wow, yeah. Joe, no. wow. Can't believe you would say something <laughs> yeah. like that. Oh man, terrible! I just don't understand. Uh, you must sure. hate you hate you hate the Braves, yo. You know, I'm I'm getting the Twitter comments ready. Uh, it's if I were to share my screen with you right now, you would see that that the guy I expect most likely to regress uh, from 2021 is is Austin Riley. Is it really? Think, mm. Yeah, it's just it, it's one of those. It's 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 knowing his past, Joe. Knowing the fact that he's he's had streaky moments and then he had a really impressive season and I think when you go from a guy that we were at least in Atlanta and I don't think it was nationally because I just don't think they were there were so many other flashy things to pay attention to with this Braves team that Austin Riley was not getting the true MVP consideration that he deserved mm-hmm. Um, I mean you know after all Bryce Harper wins the award and I didn't necessarily believe he was the MVP yeah um, but uh when you go from, you know, you, you are going to be competing for an MVP to the next season. I mean, it's almost guaranteed that you're not going to perform as well. Um, I mean, you know, maybe you kind of keep around that level. And I, I like your prediction, actually, that he hits more home runs this year. Uh, but I just feel like the rest is just, I mean, it, it's got to step back, right? Like, I just don't. I mean, even you think of like Freddie Freeman with his MVP season, you know, kind of follows it up with a solid year, just not to the MVP level that he had previously. So I, I feels kind of obvious. Um, okay, you I, talking about? I want to share one stat about Austin Riley. I think this is the most incredible stat. Um, <clears throat> his numbers when he has two strikes in the count. Obviously, everybody's numbers with two strikes going to be low because you're one strike away from an out, right? Mm-hmm. His batting average last year with two strikes was 229. I don't know where that ranks, but it seems like a very normal number to me, to around 229. His rookie year, 2019, what do you think he what do you think his batting average was with two strikes? Take a guess. I mean, I've just I was about to say I I just feel more inclined to believe a younger guy with two strikes is gonna be a little more swing happy. So I don't know, somewhere in the in the low one hundreds. 096. Yeah, okay. So he All was right. almost as good said. of an out. He was almost as good as an out. When when you got two strikes on him, um he was going to get a hit what? 1 out of 10 times once you got two strikes on him. So I think that I I think it just goes to show like that's where Austin Riley has really rounded out his game as a hitter over these last couple of years since then is just being able to, you know, see those balls and we knew it. It was always, you know, can he avoid swinging at that slider that drops out of the zone. So um, I, I do, I am, I like Austin Riley long-term. Uh, I, I think he's made huge progress. It's just, yeah, the numbers indicate he'll take a step back. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about some good things then. Some guys let's do it. Let's do it. that we, that, that we see performing well. Who do you think at the end of this season, Joe, is going to lead this team in home runs? You know, this is not a sexy answer, but I think it's going to be Matt Olson. I think that the ballpark sets up perfectly for him. I know that, you know, it was kind of, 
Uh, everybody was talking about it the other day when Olsen launched one to right field in the spring training game. I forget who it was against, but everybody was like, oh, yeah, that one would be over the chop house. And I know I was talking to uh, Maria Martin from 11 Alive the other the other day, uh, and she had chatted with his high school coach. And he was just saying how they can't wait to get seats in the chop house because, you know, Matt Olsen's going to be hitting a ton up there. I just think the ballpark profiles really well for him. Uh, sometimes with some of those big left handed power hitters, I mean, it's when you see it in person, it's really startling. Like, I'll never forget Bryce Harper. If he can just, like, kind of, like, throw his bat out there and just kind of poke one, it, it, it can go over that fence there in right field. It really travels, too. The ball really seems to travel. Um, so I think Matt Olson. I mean, it, it's not an it's not a surprising answer because he is probably has the most raw power of anybody on this roster, but I think it's going to be Matt Olson. What about you? Well, as the, the other thing with, with Olson that it's going to take me a while to get used to is his swing is it looks stiff and slow mm, but like yeah. it's got power to it i think it's it's just like it's just the the way he holds the bat yeah and kind of that so th- swing across this is really interesting if you look at them not from the profile that you would look at them like when the camera's on them during the you know during play but if you look at them from like the the side profile you know like they'll show on a replay where it shows them not on the side pro well i don't know from like the dugout i guess you know looking at them head on um the swing looks very similar to Acuna, where like the bat is held up kind of kind of, you know, just very vertically. And then the body extends and the bat stays in the same spot. So it's like it's like a rubber band stretching out and then contact goes through. Um, it's hard. It's hard to envision that they, they don't look the same at all from their stances. Like when, when they're when, say, like, I, yeah, yeah. They don't look the same at all from their their batting stance, but it's more the motion of like when they take the step, when they're kind of coiling, the bat stays, it stays perfectly steady while their body stretches forward. So it's creating this tension throughout their, you know, like throughout their arms and their torso that allows them to just kind of then whip the bat through with uh, extreme velocity. I, it's you a know, powerful I, look I, and swing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I want to go back and look at this because I, yeah, I, w- I would have said that those guys look nothing alike, um, but it's more of yeah, their stances are very completely different, and I just I, I've just noticed with Olsen, it's that you know his back's just very stiff and tall mm-hmm. uh, yeah. when 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 he's making a hack and um, very different so stance from Freddie Freeman too, like you know yeah, very different big time. Big time. Uh, so I'm actually going to go on a completely different route. I think Marcelo Zuna is going to hit the oh, most home runs wow. okay. uh, for this team. Um, I'm just, I kind of wonder about, you know, I know everything that went on in his past, but he saved his body for an entire season. Yeah. True. Um, I, I don't know life. what kind of, I'm, I wonder, <laughs> I really do wonder about best shape of his life uh, or just overall health of, yeah. A guy, a guy his age with his power ability, just essentially resting and not having 162 games on his body last year. I'm just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just, I think, and I understand. Like the the logic makes sense when it comes to Matt Olson. However, I'm still hung up on the expectations of him. Mm-hmm. Maybe not playing out to like some insane level in year one. Like I think Matt Olson's going to be a very solid player, uh, but just there is a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations being placed on this guy in year one. And I don't think he's going to hit the level that, that a lot of people are placing on him, which so, so it, who, like he could, 
Go ahead. Finish finish your thought on Olsen. Well, it was just like, yeah, I mean, I is he an all-star? Yes. Is he an MVP? No. So who Everyone is your MVP? Keeps... That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, who, who who is your, or your MVP candidate coming from the Braves? All right. I'm going to do this one. This is probably another hot take. It's probably going to look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have egg all over my face come August. I think Ronald Acuna <laughs> is, is the Braves MVP candidate. Uh, I do not think a Braves player wins the MVP this year. Uh, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I just see um, there's just a lot going on. You're the you're the you're reigning world champs. Teams are playing you a lot different. Uh, there's a lot of other power in this lineup. Something's got to give somewhere. I just don't see uh, the Braves having an MVP. But and, and everyone keeps saying, well, Ronald Acuna is not going to play the first month of the season. And I go, I'm sorry. Do MVPs just like not have a bad month? most of the time if not more than a month but guys pick up the pace and obviously guys didn't have a bad like freddie freeman didn't have a bad month during the 70 game season but that's different circumstances under 162 absolutely guys have a bad month and so for ronald acuna to not get to play an entire month i thought he looked ready from some of the stuff that i've already seen of his like i i get what they what the expectations are for him and the fact of you know, they want him to be perfectly healthy before they trot him back out there. But I think that guy is so excited to play that when he gets out there, we're just going to be wowed and reminded once again of the the greatness of Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think it's I think it's Ronald Acuna Jr. And I think that the reason why it's a bold prediction is because of what you just said. A lot of people are not really figuring him into a lot of MVP conversations because he is going to miss the month. But the way I'm thinking about it, especially with the way that MVPs are decided, which is, you know, very subjectively through these, through, you know, media and things like that. If Ronald Cunha Jr. is playing at an MVP level by the time, like the voting comes around, they're going to cut him a break. They're not going to be like, well, he didn't play the first month, so we can't include him or his stats don't are a little bit short because he missed that month. So he's out, you know, no, they're going to say, look at how good Ronald Acuna Jr. is playing. If he only was able to play the first month, which was out of his control, his stats would be, you know, XXX right up here with the other guys. If he's even trailing them in some statistics, I think Ronald Acuna Jr. is so good that, um, he could miss some of the season and probably still have his numbers right up there uh, with with some of the league leaders, especially when you look at, you know, his spreads that he might have with, um, you know, stolen bases and things. Maybe he steals less this year, obviously, because of the injury. But just the fact that he's so multifaceted um, and is such an exciting player, if again, if he's playing at this level, uh, at an MVP level, by the time the, the voting comes around, I'm sure that he will be talked about as an MVP caliber player, and especially because he's just a marketable player. So, you know, they're going to want to put him in discussions. I think they being kind of the media, Major League Baseball, you know, all the programming that they kind of drive through their, you know, through the through the league itself. So uh, I think there's big incentive for Ronald Acuna to be, you know, in these MVP discussions. And I, I agree with you. I think he will be. Um, let's look at the MVP of pitchers. What about what about Cy Young? I'll just throw mine out there. It's not anything special, but I mean, I think Max Fried is by far the best pitcher on the staff. He's proven it. He's got he's not only got the talent, but he's got the experience to show for it. He's kind of done it. So I mean, he's my clear Cy Young. So <laughs> Joe, I left my Cy Young blank because I think that is going to be the area the Braves take the biggest step back this season. 
is starting pitching. Yeah. I think Alex Anthopoulos is going to regret not going to get a starting pitcher in this offseason because you look at the names and you go, well, I think all of these guys can perform. I don't think there is a Cy Young candidate on this team. And I know, like, you talk about, well, well, look at what Max Reed did. No, I, I think really solid starting pitcher and not that he is not going to be very good this year. Uh, but there's just a different level you have to be to be a part of that conversation. Uh, and I don't think in the National League, I, I don't think anyone is going to be a part of that. I'm actually willing to go in a very different direction when it comes to making some bold predictions, especially when it has to do with starting pitching. Uh, I think by the time we reach August, I think Tucker Davidson is going to be the third best pitcher mm. on this staff. Tucker Stan. Uh, I think yeah, I I've been there <laughs> since last year. Uh I think I I think I had it cooled off just a bit once again of of, you know, expectations or or what people thought necessarily were going to happen versus what played out. However, uh I just look at the guy's confidence and what he's been able to do, you know, what have you done for me lately sort of thing. Yeah, I I I think uh I don't think the Braves have a Cy Young candidate, but I do think they have uh, a guy who is very quickly rising up the ranks and Tucker Davidson is going to be that number three by the time we reach August. I'm with you. And I, I would, I would say even more broadly, just on the, I love the potential in the bottom half of this rotation with a guy like Tucker Davidson. Yeah. We've seen really good things from Kyle Wright this spring, which is really encouraging because uh, if he can fulfill his potential, then he w- could be a massive player for this team. I mean, We've been so frustrated with Kyle Wright for years, but the reason we've been so frustrated and he's kind of become such a, a point of contention for Braves fans is because everybody knows how good he can possibly be. And if he can realize that, then that would be huge. And again, we saw we saw a glimpse of what Waskar Yanoa can be as well. So there's a lot of talent. I'm, I'm kind of with you in terms of like, I'm lower on like Ian Anderson, Charlie Morton this year in terms of what they, their production numbers. And I'm yep. higher on some of these guys to overperform that are on the, bottom half of this rotation and then i will say i do still expect i don't know if it's going to happen before opening day i thought it might happen before opening day uh but i do think we are almost certain to see this team trade for a starting pitcher at some point this season yeah i'm i'm with you i think it's going to be now because it hasn't happened i think we're looking at closer to the trade deadline uh especially yeah. once they know how some of these guys end up exactly uh, just yep. because there are so many names uh, that you've reached a point where, you know, you've shown your cards on just about everybody. Now it's see how they perform and then trade for a guy and, and give up whatever assets you might need to uh, or go bargain shopping once again, because that's worked that's worked in the past for Alex mm-hmm. Anthopoulos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, before we get out of here, I do. I just want to get how far do you think the Braves get? What's your what's your playoff prediction uh, for the Atlanta Braves in 2022. So maybe some of this is like I can't get my you know last year out of my mind, or maybe I just can't get out of my mind like the Braves playing the Dodgers in the postseason every year. But I see I see another NLCS against the Dodgers, and I don't know exactly who's going to come out of that series because the Dodgers are obviously extremely talented, and just as they were last year when the Braves beat them. Um, but I see another NLCS against the Dodgers and I'm just getting really excited about this Braves Dodgers rivalry. <laughs> I think, you know, again, they, the, the Dodgers of course signed, um, uh, what's his name? Now it slipped my mind. The closer, um, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, so, you know, they got him, um, from the white Sox. So 
there's just so much, it's so many like common threads between these two teams. I'm excited to see them pl- match up in the playoffs again. I like, I hope it happens. Even if it happens in, in the NLDS, it's going to be a tremendously exciting series. What about you? Yeah, I, I think we're back to seeing uh, the Braves and the Dodgers in the NLCS. Uh, you're right. They picked up Craig Kimbrell, but Craig Kimbrell did not look good. And no, his first appearance <laughs> looked pretty rough. And that's kind of been a common theme with him. That's actually yeah. a guy that, was rumored to be around the Braves that I'm glad they didn't end up going to get. Uh, Joe, I'm going to go a step further. I think we see the Atlanta Braves back in the World Series in 2022. Uh, however, you just it doesn't take much research to look and see when's the last time we had a repeat champion of a World, a World Series repeat champion. Hasn't happened since 1999 and 2000 when the Yankees did it back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Braves have been known to go to back-to-back World Series. Happened in 91 and 92. Happened again in 95-96. I don't know that they win it this year. Uh, I actually... Uh, I'm buying into the preseason hype of the, the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they're a really talented team. Uh, and so what I am willing to put on the record so far is just that... Yeah, I think the Braves lose to the, World, uh, to the Blue Jays in the World Series this year. But getting back just kind of continues to build uh, that this is a really talented team. Uh, and I, I really hope it gets to happen against the Dodgers to, to put the Dodgers out to reach that point again. Just because of, like you said, of everything they've built uh, on this season so far. And, and just now that there is a true rivalry and a true reason to hate them even more <laughs> yeah you got like they almost feels like like two super teams you know like kind of an east coast west coast there's just like all these interesting narratives between the braves and, and dodgers um i think the braves have a better roster than last year when the braves won the world series so there's every chance that they yep. could uh repeat but it's just you know there are some things that you just never know how they're going to play out but um it's gonna be exciting man um all right so we've got a couple more uh bold predictions left to make Who's not going to be? Oh, well, I guess it's who's going to be on the team in August and who's not going to be on the team in August. Um, for me, I'll say n- uh, on the team in August. Well, my joke answer is Jorge Soler because I'm getting him back from the Marlins, you know. But honestly, probably <laughs> yeah. not going to be a huge need considering what the Braves have in the outfield. I again, I think I don't have a specific name, but I think a starting pitcher is almost certainly going to be on the team in August. That is not on the team right now so I, I would just put that one down and then for not on the team I'm gonna go with you know I, I don't want to say Sean Newcomb because I don't think Sean Newcomb will be on this team in August but that's too easy to say that's not that's not a bold prediction so I'm going to throw a name out there I'm gonna say it's going to be Kyle Muller and the reason I'm saying Kyle Muller is not because I don't think Kyle Muller is not a good pitcher I just think it's going to be because the Braves are going to go out and try to acquire somebody who's more capable to start right here right now or be an impact starter for them down the stretch and in order to do that, I think you're just going to have to give up somebody. I guess Kyle Muller is not technically on this roster right now as it is. So maybe this isn't even a, a fair question. So I guess technically you could like maybe replace Kyle Muller with your boy Tucker Davidson or something. I don't know. But if, if you're going to trade somebody away that's on this roster, I think it's going to be one of these young, talented pitchers who doesn't have many options left. And you're going to be want to you know bring in somebody who can essentially um, replace them in, in the rotation. I'm OK, so. I was about to say my my prediction, and you're right that it is not bold, was that it would be uh, Sean Newcomb that's not a part of this team, uh, and in that, who I do think will be there is that somewhere between Dylan Lee or Kyle Kyle Muller, uh, I think okay. one of those guys will be up. Yeah. Um. 
you know, just because I would actually agree with be, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moves will moves will be made. If I had to look at someone, uh, as far as like the rest of the roster who's just not going to be here, I don't know. It feels too easy to to pick off another bullpen player. Um, and so if there's anyone out in the field who's not going to be here, um, it's going to be someone in the outfield, a Dickerson or a Heredia. Yeah. Um, uh, just because moves get made, guys get moved around, uh, all of those sorts of things happen throughout a season. Uh, but I just don't feel like I have that solid. I know this guy is not going to be a part I mean, of this team. It's probably a good thing. Cause it's a solid core. It means like the team, this team has yeah. a very solid setup. They know exactly who they're going to be trotting out there. Yeah, except for Sean Newcomb. I mean, that just, feels like, guy that, <laughs> it just feels like a name that uh, it's just a guy that I don't know is going to be here. Maybe he can prove everybody um, wrong. We'll see. Absolutely. I'd love for it to happen. Uh, same here. Uh, yeah. But, Joe, I think that's about all we've got for this week. We're excited to to get to talk to you guys after opening weekend once we actually have some real baseball games that count and we know what this team is going to be. Um, but. For my partner, Joe Patrick, I'm Caleb Johnson. Thanks for listening in to Batter Up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.